Will you stand with me, please? This is uh, uh, an old preacher getting ready to die. And this is his last attempt to talk to a young protege by the name of Timothy. And he says, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Our subject is simply going to be beyond believing. Beyond believing. God bless you. You may be seated. If you've been around me for any length of time, you know because of the influence of an elder that I've never met yet, G.T. Haywood, I adopted something from him many years ago, and it's, uh, it's from Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, <coughs> where the, the word says, I am God and there is none else. I am God and there's none like unto me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. This is what it says in the message. Remember your history, your long and rich history. I am God, the only God you've ever had or ever will have, incomparable, irreplaceable, from the very beginning, telling you what the ending will be, all along letting you in on what is going to happen, assuring you I'm in this for the long haul, I'll do exactly what I set out to do. We are living in a, a changing time, of course. Um, a time when there is an, uh, an, uh, an affront to our history. Uh, I got news for you, you can't change yesterday. And uh, you can get rid of the statues you can try and erase things, but um, ever since Roy Moore uh, defied a Supreme Court order in Alabama years ago, probably 2003, the Supreme Court said that Roy Moore had to take away the statue of the Ten Commandments in an Alabama courthouse. Um, he defied them. They, uh, they removed him from office. Um, took the Ten Commandments away. The good people of the state of Alabama elected him the next year to the very same post that the Supreme Court had removed him from. <laughs> and then he made them so mad again, they removed him for the second time, for which he ran for Senate and would have made it, except they tried to dig up something crazy out of his past. It's nuts to think that you can remove the very decalogue that is the basis of Judeo-Christian legal system, which we're built on. It's nuts. So let's get rid of Robert E. Lee because uh, he fought on the side of South. And let's get rid of Thomas Jefferson and George Washington because they had slaves and on and just whatever. I'm not, in, I'm not in the race thing here. I'm just telling you, you can't get rid of George Washington. 
you can't get rid of Thomas Jefferson. You can try and change history, but good luck. And, uh, but the word says to the church, don't you forget your history. So let's look at our history today. Let's, let's go. See, if he declared the end from the beginning, let's go back to the beginning and see if we can't glean something from it. So I'm going all the way back to the beginning, to the creation story. Look, look at that, that second day when he spoke and said, Now, water, I want you to back up. I intend to have trees here and not just swamps. I need some dry ground. I want you to back away. Nobody was there. But he spoke and had authority over the water and it obeyed him and backed away to reveal the dry land. We watch as that same creator filled that now available rich soil with plants. Go to the fourth day when the light shone for the first time from the sun. It's fascinating because on day one it said, let there be light, and there was light. But the sun is not created until the fourth day. A lot of wonderful typology here. I don't want to take too much liberty with it, but there's a a verse in the book of Peter that says, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. It's good that man was created on the sixth day and not on the second or the third day. Because if he would have been created on the second or the third day, he would have said, where's all this light coming from? But because man was created on the sixth day and the sun on the fourth, there was no doubt that uh, where the light was coming from. In type, those four days... Great picture of the Old Testament, 4,000 years. There was light there, but there was no source of light. It's a fascinating verse in the book of Malachi at the end, and it says, the son of righteousness. But it's not S-O-N, it's S-U-N. And it's capital S. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. I never can mention that verse without remembering something that happened to me, just those aha moments that you get in study. Paul one time talked about laboring in the word. And if you're a student of the scripture, you understand what that means. There are just times you just, you just all you do is read. <clears throat> Nothing happens. You just read again and again. And all of a sudden, something goes, bam, and you see the elephant in the room. That happened to me one time studying that verse in Malachi when it said healing in his wings, and I was reading a companion text of Hebrew words. And in the Hebrew, the word for wing is kanaf. Most of the time, it's translated wing, but it's also grammatically correct to translate it edges or borders of the garment. So you can take that verse and say, the son of righteousness is coming and he'll have healing in the edges or the borders of his garment. And when you read the account in Matthew of that woman grabbing the hem of his garment, the border of his garment, and instantly was healed. It's a fulfillment of that verse. Fascinating, because I think that's Matthew 9. If you go 
probably Matthew 13, it says, and many besought him if they could just touch the hem of his garment. <laughs> she opened up a whole new ministry that had been in mothballs for all that time. And uh, I, I look at our young people like that. And uh, I look at a lot of this music they're doing. Draylon's gone today in a, involved in something in Ohio. And I, I talked to him and, and uh, some of his friends a while ago. And I said, you know what we need? We need an apostolic label. And their eyes shut up and they said, that's where we're going, Pastor Hoffman. That we don't have to give all of our money to all those other people and give all our talent. Why can't we have a Pentecostal label? Just for Pentecostal students and Pentecostal musicians. And, and that's where we're going. And so they're, they're literally developing a whole new ministry right now that's been off limits to us for so long. And what else is there? I look at things that have happened just in this local church and people that have done things. I look at Tanisha and what she's done with the heart ministry, which they just uh, broke into, I believe, Japan and, uh, and dealing with things uh, in, with the Arabic ladies and on and on and on. It's, it's gaining momentum and just fascinating that someone in this local congregation could birth something like that. And, and it's picking up steam and it's picking up momentum and who knows how many people are going to be healed and mended because of something that a young mom here in this church said, I think we could do this. Has anybody else done that? No? Well, let's try. And uh, it's fascinating because when you think of it, for 4,000 years there was light in the Old Testament, but there was no source for the light. But on the fourth day, the sun of righteousness rose. And now you and I, who were created on the sixth day, have no excuse. We look at Jesus and say, oh, that's where the light's coming from. He said, I'm the light of the world. And uh, in him was life. And life was the light of men. And it's just, uh, it's, it's, look, look at the fifth day when he took authority over those waters and filled them with fish. And notice, it, it doesn't just say there was a creation from the water. It says there was a creation from the land, a creation from the earth. One says, let the waters bring forth abundantly. Another verse said, let the earth bring forth abundantly. You need to understand that when the Lord made something, he did not speak to what he created. He spoke to where it came from. In other words, God did not say, let there be fish. He said, let the water bring forth abundantly. God did not say, let there be trees and let there be grass, but let the earth bring forth abundantly. And so when God made something, he spoke to its origin. He spoke to where it came from. That's why when he made man, he did not break his precedent and his pattern. He spoke to where man came from. He spoke to himself. And that's why whenever you take what God makes out of where it came from, it always dies. When you take fish out of water, where they came from, they always die. When you take plants out of dirt, where they came from, they always die. And when you take men and women out of God, in Him we live and move and have our being. That's, that's so critical that that takes place. And, and, and you know, look, look at this day when he, he takes a mud ball 
and turns it into a man. This is fascinating because Ashley and I went for a ride yesterday and so um, it was right at dusk and, and you know, day was quickly gone and, and night was coming and she went in the house and I went to the mailbox to see if there was any mail and I, I, I got the mail and I was walking up the driveway and I heard these honks and uh, not the honk of a horn but the honk of a bird, uh, geese. And it was, it, was, it was hard. I just kept looking, looking. Finally, I saw them, this beautiful V, you know, of, of these geese just encouraging one another. At least that's what they say. They, they, the people that study geese say that the one at the tip has the most strenuous job. And, and that the honking is actually the other geese encouraging him. You're doing a good job, Bob. Keep going, you know. And, and they, it's not always the same one in the front. He'll tire and another one will take his place and they'll cheer him on. And it's just, um, they, they, they've been in Arkansas, they, they, down in Stuttgart. That's the, that's the duck and goose capital of the world. If you ever go there in uh, February and March, it's pretty fascinating. I, I've been there and it, it, you, you can't, you have to yell when you're talking to one another because it's so loud. Millions and millions and millions of ducks and geese that, that blot out the sun. And, and except for them lazy bums that are down at that pond by Walmart at 14 and Van Dyke, you know. <laughs> I'm on live stream. I got to be careful what I say here right now. But uh, no, I can't say this on live stream. I get in deep trouble if I say that story. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, most geese. You know, do you ever think what it, what it's, what's it like to be a young goose in Canada or Michigan, you know, and, and all of a sudden it's late September and you've got this urge inside of you and you don't understand it and you, you fly to the next field or you fly to the next pond and next lake. It doesn't scratch where you itch. And all of a sudden one day your grandpa takes off and you just follow in behind and it's like, where are we going? Hush up, kid, and just keep flapping, you know. And literally they go to Arkansas and... They, they stay there through the winter and then they come back. And I was just in Mexico. And one of the reasons I love Mexico, there's lots of reasons I love Mexico, but um, hummingbirds, thousands, thousands of hummingbirds. Everywhere you look is hummingbirds. And, and uh, if you, if you, hummingbird is the only bird that can fly backwards. And it, the wings just are going so much quicker. Oh, oh yeah, going so much quicker and uh, then other, other birds. And, and uh, what, what, what amazes me is a hummingbird can only stay aloft for 15 minutes. He, he burns up his energy and he has to rest. And yet every year hummingbirds migrate to South America. And they fly over 3,000 miles of, of Gulf of Mexico water. And they don't know how they do it. And, and one one. One man said he thought they hitchhiked. And uh, what he meant by that is he believed they land on the backs of other birds, seagulls and different types of things, and rest and then go on. It, they don't know. They, 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 they truly don't know. I, my dad always wanted to go to Alaska fishing. And so for his 70th birthday, I had always had a lot of frequent flyer miles. So I had some friends in Alaska, and I took my dad fishing in Alaska, and we caught these amazing salmon all different kinds. You got 
the reds and the silvers, and then you have the kings, which massive, massive things. And it's, it, if, you, if you know anything about salmon, they're, they're, they're fry, they're, they're little tiny things, and, and they're born in fresh water. And then they go down the stream into the ocean, which is salt water, and they live in salt water for three years, and then they come back, and if a dam or some impediment doesn't stop them, they find their way back to the very pool and possibly in the shade and shadow of the very rack, rock that they were hatched out of years before. They don't know how they do it. Their best guess is scent. They believe that the water that they were born in tastes and smells a certain way. And literally like perfume, they follow that up those rivers and following just the hint of where they were, they were hatched and can find that place. It's fascinating. I, 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 you know, the Galapagos Islands, I, I've seen these turtles. These turtles are big as a Volkswagen. I mean, over 100 years old. I, I, I've ridden on the backs of these turtles scuba diving before, which is stupid because if you get your fingers caught where they're, you, <clears throat> it's not a good day. And, uh, but they, they just look so gangly. It's kind of like a, uh, a bumblebee. Bumblebees, they say, uh, on paper, aren't supposed to fly. Um, but they do. And it's the same way with these big turtles. They look so, so on land, unwieldy. But in, in the ocean, they've got these flippers called flukes. And they just, when they're gone, it's fascinating stuff. And they, they can find the very beach that they, they, they were hatched on an, out of an egg years before. And they find... That's, they, they put tracking collars on these turtles, which this is, you're talking Pacific, and they, 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 they go all the way through the Atlantic. They've, they've tracked them over by Britain and down on the, on the west coast of Africa and up by the Arctic, and, and yet they go all the way to the other side of the world to find the very piece of sand that they were hatched on, and, and they, 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 they can't figure this out. Well, the, the, to me, the reason is, is obvious. God has hardwired and downloaded into these creatures the ability to go back to where they came from. Because every, everything, they're, they're, you know, it's spoken into existence. But when you deal with man, man was not spoken into existence. It says man was formed, formed of the dust of the ground. Which is a fascinating study because this is why geese keep coming back. It's why trees keep turning red and yellow and fuchsias and all that magnificent stuff in the fall. They, they, don't, have a, they don't have a voice. They, they have to do that. But, but, but you and I, we're not created by the word. We were formed. Because of that, man and woman has the ability to defy the word of the Lord. We can literally tell God, no, I'm not going to do that. And, and, and uh, you know, you just burglarize the word of the Lord and say, absolutely not. And, and there's a reason for that, because in, in the end, in the end, the Lord is going to look at Satan and say, I allowed you to dangle every horrible, putrid, filthy thing in front of the, I allowed you to appeal to every carnal fleshly urge and hunger that they had. And yet 
Here is this massive throng of people that still chose me instead of satisfying their own carnal flesh. It's the vindication of the Lord in the end where he can look at the enemy and say, they still wanted me, even though I let you do and just tempt them with every sordid piece of sewage that's out there. They still wanted something from me. And it's just, I, I, it, it's, it's such a powerful, powerful study. And, and it, it, it's just, he rested on the seventh day. And, and what you have to realize is for how long God expected people to believe this. Nobody was there. How, how do we even know what happened on day one, two, three, four, five? If it isn't by divine revelation. Because man wasn't even created until the sixth day. And when the Lord allowed Moses to see his hinder parts or to see his backside, he said, I will show you my, my goodness. Remember that thing where he said, I want to see you. And he said, no one's going to see me in good. However, you get in a crack in that rock and, and I'll let you see my hinder. I'll let you see my goodness. I, I think it's fascinating that uh, it says, and he saw that it was very good. And it did this day, it was very good. Did you ever read a scripture? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all. What is the goodness of God? When you go back to Genesis, it's his creative ability. So that's why you need to slow down. You don't want to always have Jesus in your rearview mirror. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What's that mean? It means slow down and let the goodness or the creative power of God catch up with you and put new things in your life that are going to be off limits if you go too fast. And it's, it's just again and again, you've got to believe this. And, and they did. They did. Especially the Jewish people. Now, fast forward it to John 14. I, I, I was inspired in the first service today and maybe do it in some service later on. But they, I believe there are places in the Bible that we limit to we don't, we don't milk it for what it's really worth. For instance, there's a verse, um, what God had joined together, let not man put us under. That, that, that is almost exclusively used at weddings. But, but you have to understand it's bigger than that. What it's saying is when God puts two things together, don't have anything to do with untying it. For instance, if you go to the beginning, God joined obedience with blessing. He joined disobedience with correction. He told Peter, whatever you bind on the earth, I'll bind in heaven. Peter preached the first message and bound water baptism with the name of Jesus Christ. And you're never going to live long enough to untie those two. Water baptism needs to be done specifically in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? They're bound. When God binds something together, don't, don't, don't even try to untie them. For John 14, let not your heart be, you know, if you believe in God, believe in my father's house are many mansions. And boy, 
have I heard that one twisted and turned and abused. I, I was in Heathrow years ago and had some time between planes. And so I went for a walk outside of London and, and I found, a, a, of course, a woodworker's shop. And it said, all types of twistings and turnings done here. And I've seen people do that with the Bible, that they'll twist it and turn it to make it fit their own personal approach to that. And, and, and I, I don't want to do that. I want scripture to explain scripture. I'm trying. I'm, I, I'm sure I'm biased at times and, and myopic, but I, I'm trying because the word says don't add to it and don't take away. The word is good enough to stand on its own. And, 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 and look at, look at the, you know, I'm going to get a mansion. I'm going to get, I, I, got, I got some good news and bad news. Here's the bad news. There's only one verse in the Bible that uses the word mansion. Just one. And the Bible said no scripture is a private interpretation. You can't build a doctrine on one verse. Let, let me give you another little insight. Don't get a thought and then try and get a Bible verse to back up what you think. If you get what you feel like is something revelatory, go through the word or talk to other people that you respect and see if there are verses that don't agree with what you think. And if there are things that don't agree with what you think in the word, what you think is wrong. That's just a hard, cold truth. You know, there's a verse that says, let him that stole steal no more working with his hands. Or you could say, let him that stole steal. No more working with his hands. Just depends on where you stop it at. You know? One verse said, Judas went out and hung himself. There's another verse that says, go and do that likewise. I, I, I got a great book that, that a man spent a lifetime going through graveyards. And years ago, they always had a Bible verse at the bottom of the tombstone. And he had this revolutionary soldier that, that was a, a captain, lieutenant. He, anyway, it says, commander, this and this and this, shot by his armor bearer. And the verse was, well done, thou good and faithful servant. <laughs> it's called grave humor. So uh, fascinating stuff. And, and, and it, it's just, uh, let, let, let's use scripture to explain scripture. In my father's house. Okay? Three times in the New Testament that phrase is used. My father's house. The prodigal's, prodigal son. He was in the pig pen and he said, Servants in my father's house eat better than this. Jesus, when he cleansed the temple, said, Make not my father's house a den of thieves. He, I forget where the third one is. But um, um, the, what I'm trying to show you is... I can only find three places. And in all of those places, when it says Father's house, it's referring to an actual structure. Prodigal son, obviously that was the homestead. To Jesus, the Father's house was the temple. But when you read Matthew 25 and 26, at the end of his ministry, this is what Jesus said. Your house is left desolate. He was referring to that veil that was going to be ripped from the top to the bottom. Not so much to let us in, but to let God out. It's not my father's house anymore. Church is not where you are. Church is who you are. 
we're grateful for this building and we're going to build another one. Just to house the church. This is not the church. This is the church. All right? That's amazing. So, in my father's house are many mansions. Do you know what the word mansion means? It means dwelling place. Abode. That's why later on, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, you need to know how to behave in the Father's house, which is the church of the living God. So now use scripture to explain scripture. In my Father's house, what's that today? The church. Are many mansions. What's that mean? Dwelling place. What's it saying? It's saying there's a place for you in the church. Find your place. I, I've never seen a bluebird that wanted to be a robin. I've never seen an oak tree that wanted to be a donkey. I, I, I've never seen a fish that wanted to be a hummingbird. In creation, it's called completion. They just do what they were built to do. And it's beautiful. But in the kingdom, too many times, we have competition, not completion. I don't want to do this. I want to do that. How about you just doing what God built you to do and stay within your gift? And when we all do the what God wired us up to do, it's powerful. It's powerful. And, and, and th- th- this is John 14. This is verse 11. Believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Now, if you're here and, and you're wondering about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let me give you just a short tutorial. There is not a spirit of the Father separate from the spirit of the Son, separate from the Holy Spirit. I can prove it to you. It's in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says there's one spirit, capital S. There's just one. There's not three. There's one. Okay? Here's John 4, 24. God is spirit, capital S. So if there's just one spirit, that's the spirit of God. Can we all agree on that? Okay, now you go to 2 Corinthians 3, and it says, Now the Lord is that same Spirit. Not another Spirit. It's, so whether you call that Spirit God or Lord, it doesn't matter. It's the same Spirit. Now go to Acts 9. When Saul of Tarsus is on his way to Damascus in Syria, and his behind is in that dusty road, and what does he say? Who art thou, Lord? The response is, I am Jesus. Which means Jesus is the saving name of our God. Okay? It, it doesn't get any simpler than that. When you say the Son of God. They talk about God the Son. I'll, I'll give you a million bucks if you can find that in the Bible. That, that, that phrase is not there, God the Son. But the Son of God is there. What is the Son the Son is flesh. God is spirit. I don't care if you call that spirit God. I don't care if you call it Lord. I don't care if you call it Holy. I don't care if you call it Holy Ghost. There's just one spirit. All right? God is that one spirit. The Son is flesh. If the Son is God, then God died on a cross. And God can't die on a cross. But if that spirit or that ghost left that physical house that it was in, 
which is exactly what the scripture said happened, and that body died, now we're on to something. Because you've got to realize, you know, if your father, father, you're going to have problems with Isaiah 9 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The prophecy is about Bethlehem and the birth of Jesus, and you will call his name. Whose name? The son's name. You're going to call him wonderful. I got no problem calling Jesus wonderful. Call him counselor. I have no problem. Call him mighty God. I got no problem with that. But then it says the everlasting father. Whoa. How are you going to call the son the everlasting father if they're separate persons? You cannot. But if you understand that father is spirit and son in flesh and the father dwelt in the son because the son said that. He said, it's the father that dwelleth in me that does the works. When you get that understanding that there's just one spirit and the saving name of that God is Jesus Christ, you've got a revelation that Jesus said is the greatest treasure in the history of the universe. Shema Israel, Elohim, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. We are one God, Jesus name people. We're not Jesus only, you know. But you, when you get that understanding, it's powerful, folks. Be, 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 because, listen, it's, uh, I'm in the Father and the Father's in. I wish I had time to talk. To, there's another verse here that says, ye in me and I in you. That, do, do you know there's a chapter? It's uh, Off the top of my head, I think it's Hebrews 7. It may be Hebrews 6. Uh, uh, I'm flying by the seat of my pants here right now. But this is what it does say. You need... To, to leave the, 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 the doctrine of baptisms and go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance and laying on of hands and healing and all that stuff. It's, it, it's not saying get rid of that. It's saying get those foundations established in your life and go deeper and go further. But when you read Hebrews, it says the doctrine of baptisms, plural, not baptism. And, 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 and so you use the earth as an example. The earth has three global baptisms. The first baptism is water with the flood of Noah. The second baptism is the book of Acts chapter 2. And the spirit baptizes the planet. And then the, the Bible said this, this earth is going to be renovated by fire. So you have water, spirit, and fire. And though, you know, in, I think it's Matthew chapter 20. The, the, the mother of James and John came worshiping Jesus, beseeching of him a certain thing. In other words, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, by the way, I, I got a request. When, when, you, when you become the president of the world, will you make sure that my boy John sits on your right and my boy Jim sits on the left? And I'm wondering how all the other apostles are going, hey, hey bro, what gives with your mom? You know? This is what Jesus said. Are they able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? Mama ignorantly sets him up and says, yeah, sure, no problem. Having no idea what she's talking about. Because you must be baptized. There are people who say that, 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 that that's just an additional, that's like optional equipment between power windows and, and you know, roll-up kind. No, 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 no. It's just... 
people say, it's nice to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but all you have to do is, you know, you're saved at the point of faith. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful theory, but, but it won't hold scrutiny in the word of the Lord. The like figure under baptism doth thou also save us. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not and consequently isn't baptized is going to be damned. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. That's red, that's red letter stuff. Okay? So, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's not of his. It's a big deal. You need a water baptism. You need a spirit baptism. But here's the bad news, cheering. You're going to have a fire baptism. Every person's works are going to be tried by fire. Whether it's gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, or stubble, God's going to put the heat to you. And we're going to see if you're building a good house or not, or you're laying up treasures where moth and rust and the fire can't corrupt, you know, or if everything you have is here. This is very important for you to, because it's baptisms. That's why, to me, when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you are baptized into him. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, he's baptized into you. Get it? Ye in me through water baptism, me in you by spirit baptism. There's more than one baptism here. I wish I had time to talk to you about incarnation, but I'm chasing too many rabbits as it is right now. You, 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 you've got to get, here's, here's John 14 and 11. Believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Believe that, that we're so tangled up here, it's going to be really hard for you to separate us. All right? Believe that. And then, here's verse 16. I'm going to pray the Father. Now, people say, see there, there's the Trinity going on. Let, let me explain you something about what's called, um, uh, what's that? Shoot. Uh, Athanasius and Arius, the Athanasian Creed. Very God of very God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, on and on. Let me explain something to you. If one prays to the other, that's not equality. <laughs> when I come here tomorrow night to pray, I'm not praying because I'm equal. I'm praying because I need him. You know? This is flesh saying we need something spiritual to happen here. I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to give you another comforter that will abide with you forever. Say, see there, there's the Son praying to the Father, Holy Spirit. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Well, now it gets into it. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Wait a minute, I, I thought that was the comforter the Father was going to send. Yet a little while, the world seeth me no more, but you see me, and because I live, you shall live also. Watch. At that day, you're going to know I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. Okay? Give you a little insight. Here's verse 16. He'll give you another comforter. Go to verse 26. Watch what it says in verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. See, I thought for years, it's like blaspheming the Holy Ghost. People get all afraid. I think I blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Let me, let me tell you what that means. Jesus said this. If you say a word against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven you. 
But if you say a word against the Son of God, I'm not forgiving you that one. What you have to understand is he's both Son of Man and Son of God. He's the God-man. He's flesh and spirit together. What he's saying is, right now, I'll let you make fun of me. Right now, I'm going to let you pull my hair, my beard out. I'm going to let you stick them nails in my wrist. I'm going to let you beat my back into ribbons and stick that big old, that thing in my side. I'm going to let you do that. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, that's the last time you're going to do that to me. I'm telling you, things are going to be different the next time I show up. And what he's saying is, to many of you, I'm just a man right now. But when I come out of that hole in the grave, and you think I'm still that kid from Nazareth, we're, we're going to have them fighting words. I ain't going to let you talk like that about me because I'm going to prove to you that I am more than flesh. I'm going to prove to you that I got something inside of me which is going to comfort you. It's very important that you understand that. For years, I thought the evidence was the resurrection. I thought Jesus was saying, listen, when, 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 according to John 14, you know, believe that I'm in the Father, at that day you shall know. But, but it, it's not talking about resurrection. Between verse 11, where believe, and verse 20, where know, there's this whole lesson that he's teaching about, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And when you're filled with my spirit, you're going to know. Which takes me back two hours ago to my title, Beyond Believing. I, I just want you to believe right now. But I'm going to do stuff to you. And when I do, I'm going to give you stories and I'm going to give you evidence and witness. And at that day, I don't expect you to be believers. I expect you to be knowers. That I don't just believe this. That, that, that's, that's, listen, here's this verse. Here's this old man. No, he knows he's about to die. But he tells a young preacher, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded did you ever read that scripture where he said, I don't want you to be ignorant? Ignorant. They're stupid and ignorant. Remember Brother Forrest Gump? Stupid is as stupid does. You can't fix stupid. Stupid's all the way to the bone. You can fix ignorant. Ignorant means I just didn't know. Paul was saying, I used to believe something else. But because of the overwhelming evidence that exists, I can't possibly believe what I used to believe. I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, or depth, or any other creature is going to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I know that's a fact. <laughs> Corinthians 10, I don't want you to be ignorant. All our fathers were baptized in the water and, the, and under the cloud. It's a great Old Testament picture of the new birth. You don't need to be, you don't want to be ignorant of that. And, and this is so powerful because watch, watch, watch. No, no, nobody was there. Nobody was there when he exercised authority over the water. 
but there's two storms in the Bible, and one of them is Matthew chapter 8. These are guys that, that at least four of them, have have spent a lot of time on this same sea. And and they're not intimate, but this storm's got them scared to death. And they wake him up and said, hey, don't you understand? We're fixing to drown. And I love it when Jesus, when he woke him out of his sleep and he said, where is your faith? And I think what he's saying is, you guys believe in the storm. Don't you remember when we put our carcass in this boat? I said, let's go over. If I said we're going over, we're not going under. You got that, dummy? We're not going to sink. We're not going to drown. Quit having faith in the storm. Have faith in the Savior. Tired of people. Terrified by a bunch of stuff. Where's your faith? I'm not saying we got to be stupid. But I'm telling you right now, we've got to have that dead rock and that foundation of faith. That's where we are people of faith. Why? Because you can't please him without it. Ah, Jesus name. This is, this is so powerful. In Matthew chapter, he gets up in a boat and he goes, hey, I'm trying to sleep down here. And the water went, oh, it's the boss. Sorry, boss. You know what they said? Who is this guy? What manner of man is this? That even the water obeys him. It had never happened until creation. People had just been expected to believe God had authority over the water. Jesus has authority over the water. Nobody, nobody's there when, 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 when he has authority over, over fish. Makes fish. But I got a story where he said, do you have any meat? We've been toiling all night long. We've caught nothing. Let me give you a revelation. With God... Nothing is impossible. See, to too many people, that means he can do anything. Oh, it means more than that. It means when you have God, don't ever say, I got nothing. Because nothing is impossible when you have God. We've caught nothing. Wrong, dummy. I'm here. Cast, watch, cast your nets. On the right side, who else but Jesus would ask you to go into the very same environment that you failed every time until now, expecting you to have a victory? Are there places in your life that you have failed every test up until today? But the Lord is saying, hey, I want you to go right to that very same place where the enemy had a victory over you. I'm going to give you a harvest. Do you have a weakness? Do you have a habit? Do you have a hobby that every time you get too close to God, something stupid like whack-a-mole with Chuck E. Cheese rubs up his head and just shows you how vulnerable and carnal you really are? I'm telling you there's a Jesus that can take you back to the very place that you failed again and again and get a victory. Here's the problem. It says, and their net broke. He didn't say net. He said, nets, get everything you got and throw it over there. They threw one net over, it broke. 
And they're yelling, hey, dummy, get off of the pier and get over here. We got fish. That's my idea of a harvest. It took us two years to build this church. Not one time, not one time in two years did another pastor call me and say, Brother Hubbard, could we send some guys to help nail up some drywall? Could we send some guys to help nail some shingles? Brother Hubbard, you need anybody who can help paint the walls? Not one time. But boy, they were sure after me for She's for Christ, Mother's Memorial, Tupelo Children's Mansion. They, they, brother, one pastor's wife got so mad at my dad, she looked around, she said, well, here's the pastor's office. Where's Sister Hoffman's office? And my dad pointed to the port john out there in the parking lot and said, there, that, that's her office. Because he knew this was a snooty woman. She just left. She was so mad. In the new church, we'll redo this. Sister Hoffman will have a place next time, okay? Trust me, she'll have a night. <laughs> Two years. What if we had such a harvest in this church that we could call the area apostolic church and say, would you like some fish? We're going to lose fish. We got 10 new converts from your city. We can't teach all these Bible studies. What if we gave you 20 people that got the Holy Ghost last Sunday? Would you like to have them? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I remember when I was a kid. I, you remember Foghorn Leghorn? You remember that in, in, the, in the Sunday Saturday cartoons? I remember, I remember they, they bringing, all this, bringing all this corn. They always had these pigs on Foghorn Leghorn, that big chicken. And, and, and there's three pigs in, in the mud. And this guy said, would you like some corn? And the pig said, is it shucked? <laughs> Trust me. We have that kind of harvest. No one's going to say, is it shucked? Just, we'll take them. Just send them on over here. We never built this church on other backs over there. We've had people coming from various churches. I get it. I, whatever. But I, I'm telling you, it's not true growth. It's like moving the pots around in the hothouse. Real growth is not just numerical and people coming from other apostolic churches. Real growth is reaching the lost. That's real growth. That's real growth. And I found if you have a harvest and you're winning new souls, you ain't got time to fight them stupid games that preachers play all the time. It's just, man, let's just go on here. Let's just go on. And, 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 and this is so, so powerful because it's, 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 it's April the 15th. And, and it's tax day. And, and they say, all right, Jesus, you got to pay your taxes. And, and just the day before, he said, you know, bird has a nest, fox has a den, Tom Bodette's not leaving the light on for me anywhere tonight. I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. You know, how do you pay taxes on nothing? He said, okay, so that we won't offend them. I, 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 I got it written here somewhere. Matthew 17, 27. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take up the first fish that cometh up. So he says, we got to pay that. Pete, go fishing. So Pete goes down to the dock and finds a piece of driftwood. And I, I've been around docks for years. There's, there's always some kid that fishes like this. And, and he catches all this stuff in the trees. You can always find monofilament in the trees. You know, Pete gets him a little fish of that and, and finds something shiny, 
little hook, goes to the end of the pier, puts, I mean, he's got to think, this is so dumb. You know, what about the loan form? What about our exemptions? What about 1099s? All of a sudden, whoa, you know, they owe $15.26. All of a sudden, this fish comes up on the dock, and he's laying there saying, what do I do now? And that fish starts spitting up silver dollars. Fifteen of them dudes, and then a quarter and a penny. And he's going, hot dog. The coin was in the fish's mouth. Did you get the revelation? The answer is not to overtax the church. The answer is get more fish. The coin is in the fish's mouth. If you catch the fish, you'll have the coins. It's that simple, okay? <laughs> coins in the fish's mouth. I mean, can you imagine taking this slimy silver dollars and give it, do you want this or not? Trust me, they'll take it. You know, the IRS will take that. Yes. So let's give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Caesar's a greedy little sucker. I'm just telling you he is. But whatever, Jesus pays his tax. I mean, think of that. Do you have any meat? Cast your net on the right side. And all of a sudden, it's like Jesus downloads GPS coordinates into this host of, of skittish fish, and they go, follow me! And boom, they're in this net. It's the, it's the, it's, it's the boss. Told us to go this way. No one was there in the beginning when God had authority over the fish, but they saw Jesus have authority over fish. Bible said they were out there in the sea. They came in, he had bread and fish on the fire. I want to know where he got the fish. It, it, it just goes on and on and on. No one was there when God made animals. But I have a place, it's, it's Zechariah, I think it's nine and nine. Zechariah, 500 years before Jesus ever showed up. A prophet said, your, your savior's coming and he's gonna ride on the, the colt of a donkey, an unbroken donkey. Jesus, right be, this, this is right before you know, Calvary week. He said, I want, go, down, go down here about two miles, there's a big pecan tree hanging over the road. There's a mailbox. You probably can't read old paints chipping off. Go left at that mailbox. You're not going to go far. There'll be a house. There'll be a little hitching rail. There'll be a couple animals there, but there's a young donkey there. Bring me that donkey. Okay. Go down the road. Make the left. Sure enough, here they are tied up. They untie, they untie this donkey, this young donkey. They're, they're walking out of the yard. Dog starts barking. Screen door screeches. Dude comes out with the, the bib overalls. What y'all think y'all doing with my donkey? Ah, uh, the master needs this. Well, why didn't you say so? Who is this unknown guy? I'm convinced somewhere, I, there's three times in the Bible said they brought the whole city, he healed them all. Somewhere in his past, Jesus had either healed this man or someone in his family. And the guy said, hey, if you ever need anything, just stop by the house. We'll fix you up, man. We'll take care of you. And when they said, the master needs it, fine. Jesus, now how embarrassing would this be for him to go through the golden gate and all of a sudden this donkey kick him off and he's laying it. That's embarrassing. Jesus rides an unbroken animal without a vent into Jerusalem exactly the way Zechariah said. Why? Because they weren't there when he had authority over the animals, but they saw Jesus have, a th no one was there when he had authority over trees. Jesus cursed a tree. I've heard preachers, well, 
well, he cursed it because it didn't have any fruit. Read the Bible. It says the time of figs was not yet. He didn't curse the tree because it didn't have fruit. He cursed the tree to teach them a lesson. He cursed the tree. They forget about it. They go to Jerusalem. He cleanses the temple. They're coming back. He's done this. This is the second time now. He's done the beginning of his ministry. This is the end of me. He's, they're coming back and they're going, Jesus, that was, wow, Jesus. That priest reached over to get that quarter, fell in him, cracked. Wham! You just, whoa! Man, I, them 75 cent spotted ones were out there and the two dollar white doves were out there Hay's in the air and 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 and, and sheep are bleating and and, and cows and, and that and that's that smart aleck young preacher said, Who are you? And, and the Lord said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Who are you? This is my father's house. You turn it into the starvation army. You turn it into a cattle auction. I ain't gonna be that way. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. And then it says, and they brought the sick to him and he healed them all. <laughs> They're walking back home the next day. Wow, wasn't that amazing? And one of the disciples went, oh, is that's, that's the tree. Jesus cursed yesterday. Look at that dude. I mean, I've been around a tree, you know, leaves droop after a while. I'm talking one day, no leaves, shriveled up from the roots. You know what Jesus didn't say? If you don't have any fruit, I'm going to curse you and put the fire at the, at the roots. No. He said, have faith in me. Whatsoever you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the uttermost part of the sea and shall not doubt but believe in your heart. It shall be done. Watch. And when you stand praying, forgive because your heavenly father, what does he say? I'm saying Jesus cursed a perfectly good tree to give them a lesson on prayer and faith the next day. It goes on and on. No, nobody, nobody was there to watch God get mud and go... <laughs> They bring this guy to Jesus and they ask the dumbest question in the Bible. All right, who sinned? Him or his mom or dad? Who's the sinner here? Jesus said, you don't get it, do you? This is all divinely orchestrated for me to perform a miracle right now so that you're going to be confronted with who I am. And watch Jesus go. And... He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And that dude sticks his head down there and he goes, hot dog. <laughs> I, I've been studying eyes for two days now, but I don't have time to tell you. Did you, ever, did you ever think about blinking? Do you know that you blink 15 to 20 times every minute? You don't even think about it. It, it. It's all these amazing nerves, and I'm not going to try and wow you with all these technical terms that I did uh, in, in the early service. But it, it's just you've got to understand that 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 that, that it tears are, are from this thing called your lacrimal. It's like a squeegee that that that, that coats the outside of your eye with just enough liquid to 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 keep that amazing blob of jelly hydrated and clean, so it can function properly. Did you ever think about tears? Tears are categorized into three broad families. Basal tears, emotional tears, reflex tears. When's the last time you cut an onion? What's going on there? It's washing that, 
that slime that's in the air from the onion off of your eyes. That's, that's a reflex. But the University of Michigan years ago caught tears that people shed at different things in their life. They, 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 they caught tears that were, that were shed in sorrow. They, 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 there are tears of anger. They caught those tears. And then they had tears of repentance. And they found that the chemical makeup of tears shed at repentance are completely different than any other kind. There are toxins that are released out of your body when you cry and repent. That there literally is a ministry of tears. And it's good for you. It's good for you. It's good for you. No wonder God commanded everybody everywhere to repent. 1.1 million nerves tangled into this amazing rope called the optic nerve. You ever see that guy put that light up to your eye? He's looking at the back of your eye. You got things back there called rods and cones. You got six million cones. And they enable you to see red and green and blue. And they enable you to determine if something square or round or a myriad of other shapes. And then you've got 120 million rods. They measure the level of light around you. Is it dusk or is it afternoon? Is it daytime or is it nighttime? Miles of nerves. Blood vessels wrapped into this orb filled with a jelly called aqueous humor. Jesus did it with mud. (laughs) And he's something. Wow. I won't bore you with the rest of this. I just, no wonder Paul said, I don't just believe anymore. I know whom I have believed. I know whom I believe, and I am persuaded. Listen to this great verse. It's in Ephesians 1 and verse 13. Let, Let me read you 14 verse. Here's 1 and 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption the purchased possession. That's for, here's the verse before it. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance. Years ago, you know, Renee and I'd lay stuff away in July for the kids for Christmas. Pay every month, hopefully get it paid off come Thanksgiving. It was just fun, man, to pay that thing off. You got my box. Oh, yeah, 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 there you go. Did you ever go to a jewelry store? Let me tell you about jewelry stores. They don't put diamonds on yellow velvet. They don't ever put diamonds with white velvet. Diamonds are always black velvet. Deep purple. Show all those facets shine. This world's getting darker, folks. But he said, I'm coming back to gather up my jewels. I'm going to get my gems. And let me tell you about a good thief. He don't take the trash. 
He's not after the empty Campbell soup can and then plastic water bottles that are empty. He's going for the good stuff. And when Jesus comes back, it's not going to be very hard to figure out this is a diamond, there's a ruby, there's a sapphire, there's a I chose. Because the darker this thing gets, you're going to shine brighter and brighter until the perfect day. In his light, we see light. <laughs> I was a kid. He had trains, coal trains, pick up that coal from those, they called them tipples, take it down to the big coke plant on the high river and get that coke so they could make steel. We'd go inside them tunnels. Sometimes you couldn't even see it, but sometimes there was one tunnel specific. It was just a dinky, dinky, dinky little hole. I still remember me and my pal, two bow rigger, getting into that thing with our bicycles. And I'm looking, and them rails are shiny, boy. And all of a sudden, you could hear, and Tubo starts screaming, we can't go back. It's just, pedal, Tubo, pedal, let's go. <laughs> and you're just doing everything you can, because you can't get off the side, you're dead. And you just, you're going as fast as you can to get, and all of a sudden, that little tiny circle of light gets bigger and bigger and bigger. What a relief it is to bust out on the other side of that and go, oh, there's a whole new world here. Jesus is calling us, folks. Are you going to be a believer and just stay in that mode all your life? I'm telling you, the answer is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the comforter. When he fills you with the Holy Ghost, you say, now I know. Whom I, don't, I don't just believe. I'm beyond believing now. I know. I had to debate a man years ago, and he was a very, very educated man. I didn't know what to do. This guy had multiple degrees, and it was, it, it was, I was intimidated, totally out of my league. So I told the story about the night the Lord filled me with his spirit. What happened to me? It changed my life. I still remember that guy getting up after me and he said, that's it? You expect me to debate that? He said, I cannot debate a personal experience. And he left. I won. You can't prove a negative. See, that guy with all of his degrees could not prove I didn't get the Holy Ghost. He couldn't prove that my sins hadn't been washed away. You can prove a positive, you can't prove a negative. You can never prove to someone it didn't happen. <laughs> Stand with me. Stand with me. Oh, Jesus. I, I, if you even have half, half a spiritual brain right now, you can feel this concoction getting mixed up right now, this marinade that's going Look at these young people, and I'm going, my God, have mercy. Our kids are angels compared to this world. Just angels. I thought it was me. This is the generation upon whom the ends of the world have come. And don't you doubt for a minute that God has equipped them to be an able witness and a ready voice 
to say, I'm not just a believer. I've been filled with his spirit. I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded he's going to keep me. He's going to keep me. Come with me around this altar. Come with me around this altar. In Jesus' name. I, I, I wish I could tell you things that have happened since we were here last Sunday. Just man, Many of them are very, very, very personal. And, and I can't violate that, that whatever, that, that can't I can't tell you the story but man I have heard amazing stories since we were here last <laughs> we're on the right track folks you can't keep doing this and keep praying forgiving worshiping giving you can't our prayers and our alms are coming up as a memorial before him He's going to honor his word. He's going to honor his word. There will always be the naysayers. There will always be the negative. Always be the half-empty people. We're not going to live that way. I know what he's done for me. And I know what he can do for you. I, I know a lot of people in this room right now. But there's no doubt in my mind. There are people in this room right that are in real, real need. And you've got to have an answer right now. We're going to pray, and we're going to turn our prayers into praise. And we're going to magnify the Lord right now. And I promise you that this God is not a man that he would lie. This God that we, he said, I'm the way, I am the truth. And he's not going to violate his own nature. He can't do it. If he said he was going to do it, he's going to do it. Let's raise our hands and pray in praise right now. Lord Jesus. I am so grateful to be alive right now. I, I'm so grateful to be sucking in air right now. Amen. And you shooting all that stuff through my body. I'm so grateful, Lord, to have your strength in my body, to have your strength in my mind, to have your power in my spirit. Lord Jesus, I am confident right now that you do more than hear. You hear and answer prayers. I have Bible for angels going up and angels coming back down. That this is not a one-way street. We are not here just to bring our petitions before you. But there are angels that are bringing things back with answers, solutions. I am confident, God, that as we appeal to you with faith, I didn't come here to beg. I didn't come here as some panhandler with my hat in my hand. I have come here to receive. I have come here today more than believing, but knowing, amen, what you've already done for me and what I've seen you do for a host of others. It gives me the confidence and the courage to be able to stand in front of this crowd right now and say, lift your hands unto the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Say to the mountain, be thou removed. Don't doubt it in your heart. While you're standing here today, forgive. Forgive right now. If there's one person that you've got odd with, forgive them right now while you're praying. And the very God that you're asking, amen, and praying to, he will forgive you as you forgive those who trespass against you. It'll give you a platform of power and might and faith and confidence to operate off of right now. Daddy, your wife needs you. Your children need you. Oh!
bed today. You had a perfectly good excuse to stay home right now, but you're here. <laughs> and you've defied every trick that the enemy's tried to play on you. No weapon formed against you kept you home. You're here right now. You didn't come to hear me preach. You didn't come to hear these people sing. You came to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. You came to be healed in your body, mended in your mind, encouraged in your spirit. Oh, sure, there's fellowship. Thank God we don't have to serve him all by ourselves. But this is a personal walk and a personal encounter that is being offered to you right now. Exploit this moment. Take advantage of this moment right now. Do you remember what was preached to us last Sunday? I dare you. I dare you to praise. I dare you to worship. I dare you to give. I dare you to forgive. I dare you. I dare you. This God is not going to tease you. He is going to bring it to pass. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.